Hello, we're the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'll be joined by one of my fellow pros to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Occasionally, we'll be bringing on some special guests for bonus episodes. You can find all the latest episodes and keep in touch with us at adpr.co.uk or find us on all the socials. You can find the handles in our bio. So grab your cuppa and join us and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. and welcome back to the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and this week I'm joined by Becky and Duncan. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 And we are, we've kind of called this one, this episode, the good, the bad and the ugly. So we're going to look at some fairly recent media campaigns or media relation campaigns and things in the media that um, we think brands have done well or not so well or terribly. Um, We thought we could just uh, take a look at those, pick out some of our favourite ones, and then just have a bit of a discussion about what stood out to us, what we thought was really good about the campaign and actually what they could do better in the hope that actually you listening, you can... um, think about what works for the media, what doesn't, take some lessons from it, and then um, go off with your own campaigns. Um, So without further ado, we thought we would start maybe with the good. So Duncan, this is one you'd had a look at. Do you want to give us a little bit of an overview of the campaign you'd seen and, and what you liked about it? Yeah, of course. Um, so this one, yeah, comes with a bit of a backstory that it was kind of the responsive uh, little campaign. So uh, at the end of uh, 2021, so a couple of months ago at point of recording, um, <laughs> it was when Facebook were kind of doing all their rebranding into Meta and they uh, launched the Metaverse uh, thing, which is like the mm-hmm. VR platform. Um, and the way they did it was have Mark Zuckerberg kind of do this introduction video and I think it's fair to say he's not the most charismatic of presenters. <laughs> it, so, was bit, uh, it was a bit awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a bit awkward. And like already you're trying to sell this quite strange and alien thing, trying to convince everyone that we're all going to be living in this virtual reality <laughs> landscape. And mm-hmm. then to have him as kind of the face of it, it was all kind of like, ooh, uh, it, ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. Or just a bit <laughs> anyway, so that in itself created lots of memes of people spinning off it. Mm-hmm. And then um, inspired by Iceland, which is kind of a communication platform that I think works with the Iceland Tourism Board, um, they put together a kind of parody video really quickly, like in a couple of weeks, which mm-hmm. for video content is amazingly for us, especially to the kind of production level it was done to. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's this like parody video where they have a man who's talking about the Iceland verse, uh, <laughs> which is basically just 
coming to Iceland and going on a holiday in Iceland. And he's like selling all the amazing things about Iceland, but in the kind of weird, awkward way that Mark Zuckerberg um, <laughs> did for the metaverse. Um, and it's just really funny. It's obviously like a great response. Um, uh, quick reactions to this like huge story that was going on. Um, and it just hit hit that tone like perfectly of being like a mocking parody without kind of being off-putting or really slamming the original brand. They were much focused mm. on their like own kind of messaging um, and yeah, selling their own brand, you could say. And um, yeah. yeah, all their key messages rather than kind of pointing and laughing at the other brand. So yeah. Um, and, yeah and I, I suppose, really well yeah, that kind of, that was going to be one of my questions as well. In like, what do you think their strategy was what was their aim of the of that campaign yeah i think it was to yeah obviously uh like jump on the bandwagon of like this huge trend kind of media story that was going on and on in the world um and yeah it was to kind of align themselves to this big story that directly there's not much correlation between iceland tourism and virtual reality mm. but they they found that clever hook to kind of link themselves in just the way that they packaged one of their kind of tourism videos um while still focusing on their key messaging so mm. yeah in in the metaverse video there's a bit where he's like you look we're floating in space and we're, it feels <laughs> like we're actually here and then the iceland one they're like we're actually here in iceland and it's been here for millions of, millions of years <laughs> and like yeah so it's just yeah, it's that of focusing on themselves and their mm. their strong points rather yeah. than yeah. I think what was nice was the fact that they were just selling themselves, weren't they? So their key messages yeah. were absolutely on point. They were Iceland Tourism Board's key messages. There was no kind of straying from that at all. It was just the way that it was delivered and the content that they created. Mm. Um, yeah. like people instantly knew what they were talking about or what the relationship was with how it had been delivered. You just didn't need to say it. It was, it was a given already. Yeah. As you say, it was, it was showcasing, you know, the fantastic landscapes of Einstein, wasn't it? The, the outdoors, what you can see connecting with people that are real live people and not um, <coughs> virtual people in the middle. <laughs> but it was, I agree. I think it was, it was good because it was funny. And I think that's also what worked so well and you know um you can often get asked as a marketing or communications person that people want viral video content that sends shivers down my spine slightly but um it and often the content that works really well is if it is humorous and this is you know it's funny it's tongue-in-cheek very shareable, isn't it? I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Incredibly shareable. Um, and as you've rightly said, it's still, it's a great tourism campaign. You know, do you do look at it and think, wow, look at these amazing landscapes in it. Look at him outdoors in this incredible, like, natural pool that, you know, yeah. does make you want to go to Iceland. So it's, exactly. yeah, has, has worked really, really well. Um, and in terms of, where it got covered, Duncan, was it purely a social campaign or online campaign? You know, what what impact, yeah, as, what coverage should they get? Yeah, as you said, it did it because it was so shareable and because it 
so funny. It did massively, massively well on on socials. I mean, I saw it first, I think, in our kind of in the marketing trades as being applauded as such a such a smart campaign. As mm-hmm. yeah, PR people like to uh, as we're doing right now. Like, <laughs> like, oh yes, we we recognize this as an amazing campaign. Like this is all the good PR things about it. But um also because of it um being attached to this kind of story that you wouldn't uh like on paper connect the two stories between uh vr and tourism uh it got picked up by all the trades and uh, magazines that were covering the original story so it was ending up in all these kind of tech publications that mm. were talking about the metaverse and they go oh actually now now i really want to go to iceland and um <laughs> like this is kind of the antidote to all this kind of weird uh tech focus well that we've been talking about like and so got connected to all those trades so it was um that would have been really difficult without this kind of piece of content to to do um so yeah got massive massive coverage um Mm. and as you said huge engagement on socials yeah there's and that was also the clever thing that they kind of set up the um slightly tongue-in-cheek mocking aspect of it and then people could obviously do with that what they wished as in people commenting saying oh it's funny how this guy is obviously trying to be uh, mark zuckerberg and the delivery is amazing but he doesn't quite get the um emotionless <laughs> kind of stare and things so, um, they're kind of leaving that up to to people to kind of point and have fun themselves but yeah uh, yeah huge huge coverage yeah and um, um you know what i suppose if you're listening what it's it's quite a simple idea isn't it it's very clever very simple as you say Duncan it was turned around very very quickly so I mean what can people learn from this and take from this as an example uh, for their own communications uh yeah that if if you want to do a reactive piece you have to be quick about it I guess is one of the big takeaways mm-hmm. is that you can't leave it too late and wait for the story to have kind of all all died off because then you're kind of they're going guys remember when this happened we're doing the quirky <laughs> thing about it and everyone goes oh i've already forgotten about that yeah um, so you need to be nice and reactive and yeah it's that it's and getting the tone right it can be so so hard to kind of hit that sweet spot of tone of being kind of edgy and controversial enough mm-hmm. to, for people to get interest or being too far the other side and people going whoa whoa they came out of the gates swinging and are a bit too mean actually <laughs> um, so it's like trying to find that midpoint um, yeah. yeah yeah I agree it, it did have that really nice balance of being tongue-in-cheek and um yeah slightly taking the mick but again I, I think that really plays into the hands isn't it of the brand so who was doing it so the tourism board mm-hmm. and the audience they were going to because they know their target market people who will be traveling there are the kind of people that want to connect and want big spaces and probably you know think this virtual world is absolutely ridiculous and actually they what they would much prefer to connect with nature and yeah. be out there experiencing real live things and landscape so I think that's also they just nailed it didn't they they nailed that communication to that audience and as you say so important to get it turned around really quickly so that you're you're not losing the momentum of the initial news exactly. and I think um you also mentioned sorry Duncan I sort of slightly talked over you there as well um it, they they did 
well in terms of um, the production levels. So it was um, it was high quality, wasn't it? Equally, there wasn't anything fancy about it. It was just an actor in front of a camera in, you know, in a location that they would have had access to because they're the tourism board. So, you know, it seemed, it was very high quality, but you can't imagine the budget was that high. It probably didn't cost them too much money. Um, So it was probably very cost-effective. Yeah. I mean, anything else, Becky, did you have any thoughts on on this one? I was just going to lead with, follow on from that, actually. Sometimes it is like simple is most effective, isn't it? Um, Like you Mm. don't always have to have the biggest budgets or be really, really clever or technical with what you're doing. Um, I think particularly for a tourism board, um, you've got to work with what you're selling ultimately. And if you, like Iceland is such a beautiful place to visit, um, it's natural beauty and the waterfalls that you've got or the, um, the Blue Lagoon or the Gazers, um, Mm. But they are they are what they are. If you've seen them, they're absolutely incredible. So being able to showcase that in kind of a tongue in cheek way was actually really powerful. Um, yeah. So they didn't need to try too hard. It was a very clever campaign at the right time, mm. and I think it all just worked really nicely, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a good tip from this for is is just keep an eye on always keep an eye on the news. Always be checking out what's happening, not just within your industry, but just in the broader landscape and news landscape, because, you know, who would have thought that a Facebook announcement about becoming meta would be the perfect platform for a tourism board? <laughs> you know, it, it's, you, you can't predict that kind of stuff. It, it pops up and you just need to be ready and agile and ready to um, put the time into coming up with some um, good creative ways you can react and to react quickly. Um, also known as newsjacking. We call it newsjacking, don't we? So so it's kind of looking at what's popping up in the news and just jumping on anything that's relevant for you um, and, and where you can get your messages out. So that's um, always be ready. Always read the news <laughs> and always be ready to spring to spring into action. And then you Absolutely. can come up with something great like this. Um, are we done? Are we done on that one? I think we're done yeah. on that one. Oh, yeah, let's, so, let's try something else. Yeah, let's get let's dive in somewhere else. Um, more PR, more campaigns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, more. Um, so that was the good one we we loved um, as a recent campaign. Now we've got kind of a a bad. Oh, is it bad? This is. Becky is kind of, we were saying it's good and bad, isn't it, this one? Depends, so, depends, depends whose side you're on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So give us, um, let us know which one of you picked and, and give us a bit of an overview of it. Sure. So I was looking at the M&S versus Audi campaign with mm. Colin versus Cuthbert with the <laughs> um, ever known Colin the Caterpillar cake or Cuthbert the Caterpillar cake. Mm-hmm. So um, it all came from... Obviously, uh, I guess, depending on which supermarket you shop at, I'm sure they're all all much muchness. Um, there is usually a chocolate caterpillar cake in the birthday yeah. section. Um, the original, I'm reliably informed, comes from M&S, and that is Colin the Caterpillar. Um, over the years, obviously, lots of different supermarkets have their own versions. So uh, Asda have Clyde, Tesco have Curly, and Audi have Cuthbert. Um, I just, <laughs> I love... <laughs> 
your caterpillar cake knowledge. Thank you. Thank I did actually <laughs> research it, especially for this. You are all welcome. Oh, well, you just don't know them all. Off the cuff. Well, I've been around to all the supermarkets. I'm going to rate them for the taste time. testing as well. <laughs> oh, nice. Sadly not. That's, that's the next assignment. Um, yeah, so um, M&S, in essence, took Audi to court. They got their mm-hmm. solicitors in, involved and um, they were suing Audi for basically copyright infringement because they had stolen the idea um, and obviously doing very well out of um, the Caterpillar sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caterpillar cake sales, sorry. Um, so this is what had happened. Um, I imagine a lot of that was happening behind closed doors, but rather than kind of, you know, MS potentially um, issuing a statement to say we're taking Audi to court over it, Audi actually took the lead with this one and um, launched quite an amusing social campaign. Um, there were obviously other assets with it, and it did go a little bit like the... Um, Iceland Tourism Board did get in a lot of the marketing press afterwards mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the nationals as well talking about the campaign. But um, Aldi took to social media with quite heroic stance to basically say we needed to hashtag free Cuthbert because Cuthbert was in, in prison. So there was lots of assets around um, Cuthbert the Caterpillar in prison. His cake was behind bars. Um, <laughs> there were assets with um, Cuthbert with, the, you know, they're like, dummy guide so like um dummy's guide to um what was it intellectual property and copyright <laughs> and patents you name it um it was brilliant it was really good I think people that didn't um don't understand the kind of legal side of it you don't really need to know that people were just getting involved with mm. um sharing the content again it was a very shareable campaign people loved that Audi was kind of appealing to its own customers, people that knew who um, like shopped at Audi perhaps, or even if you didn't, just the way that they had taken this, rather than being super serious and very um, apologetic or taking their corporate stance on it, they, they saw it as an absolute, uh, the perfect opportunity to find new customers, to appeal to people on a real, on a real basis, but also find the humour in all of this mm. as well. Which is a real part of their brand, isn't you know, it really Yeah, absolutely. That's always yeah. quite important, isn't it? It's don't don't try and be something your brand or your company isn't. It worked really well for them because it was very authentically Yeah, I think them, wasn't do it? That. Yeah, they do that really well. They know exactly who their target customer is. They don't try to appeal to anyone else. Um, they know who they're talking to and they're, mm-hmm. all of their content from this on social to their adverts they put out on telly, um, other content, their PRing or marketing. Um, I think they do it really well. They, they know who their target market is, that who their customer is, and they work with that mm-hmm. and use it to their, to their benefit. And it got quite a lot of, um, as you say, it was a good, it was a social media campaign, again, that was very successful, but it did get quite a lot of media coverage as well, didn't it? Yeah, so much media coverage. And actually, other brands were getting involved as well, talking about whose side they were on, mm. um, and kind of analysing the different kind of um, tools and tactics that they were using, showing people's support, showing other brands support to either M&S or to Audi. Um, it was really good. And kind of with this campaign tailed to it afterwards, um, I think kind of like a secondary campaign, Audi tried to make peace very publicly with M&S, um, again, via social media saying, mm-hmm. let's call it 
a truce and hashtag caterpillars for cancer by um, calling it a truce and they would raise money for each of their um, charities or corporate charities and that also went down like a lead balloon with MS. <laughs> yeah and, and kind of and on that do you um you know what are your thoughts on MS's response you know was it good was it appropriate was it not appropriate you know do we think I mean would they were in as you know between maybe a bit of a rock and hard place could they not have done anything better or do we think yeah I are oh, it's a really difficult one I think if it was an everyday campaign and it was a usual kind of court case, then actually their response was fine. Um, however, I think because Audi are so good at their social media and they obviously come up with some really good creative mm. campaigns, I think because they were kind of taking the funny side of it, they had a good stance on um, like everyone makes caterpillar cakes, like poor Cuthbert, what's Cuthbert done wrong? Um, <laughs> I think because they had such... Um, so much support behind them from the public as well. Actually, MS ended up looking very corporate, no personality mm. to the brand. Um, and whilst that might be within their brand guidelines or their tone of voice on social media in marketing channels, um, on, an, on any other day in another campaign, perhaps that would have worked absolutely fine for them. Mm. They wouldn't have got so slammed for being very, very corporate and very straight about it and black and white. I think because Audi is so creative, yeah, it didn't and work I, as well for m and And I think it's quite interesting because actually I wouldn't say, I mean, you, you might disagree with me, but I, I wouldn't say that m is generally, their, their tone of voice and brand is really corporate. Or no. really, you know, they they do have, you know, we all know the MS adverts and how mm-hmm. they've evolved. Um, and so yes, it's all kind of high quality, but they do know how to be tongue-in-cheek and they do mm-hmm. know how to be slightly humorous. Um, and generally their their social media is quite good as well. So it's it's almost may maybe again, this is just just spitballing, but it's <laughs> Maybe that's also what their audience and customers found quite jarring because yeah. it was, maybe they were expecting a little bit more from M&S than what they, what they got. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I think perhaps it was also they tried to keep it very much within context. Like, obviously, nobody wants a lawsuit. No one wants to be sued. No. So it is a very serious matter if M&S are suing Audi. But actually, given, I think the real lesson here was kind of reading around the subject and reading more into what, how the audience was perceiving it. Um, mm. Because MS went so hard with their messaging that we were suing Audi because they've copied us. And there is no comparison between an MS caterpillar cake and an Audi caterpillar cake. All you have to do is look at kind of the high quality ingredients that we put into it, etc. cetera. Um, mm. I think actually if they'd have, listened to a what Audi was saying and the stance they were taking on it but also how the consumers were responding both yeah. Audi and M&S shoppers yeah. as well as <laughs> any other supermarket I think actually it could have gone in quite a different direction yeah and I suppose it's worth saying isn't it I think they that Audi would have been clever enough and for people listening thinking oh, I'm getting sued I'm gonna go I'm gonna go full <laughs> out and uh, go on social media you do as always they would have been very clever about what they did and didn't say on sure, social yes. media because when yeah. you're wrapped up in 
legalities and you, you do have to be careful what what you say so it's worth checking don't get me wrong yeah that. i'm but, sure audi had a lot of um advice and yeah. guidelines from their own legal team about what yeah. they could and couldn't say but i yeah obviously a very serious case um but it was just the way it was handled yeah publicly. very clever very clever yes yeah yeah so yeah so that was our sort of you know it could be it's a good one and a bad one isn't it a good and bad campaign depending was, on yeah. depending on who you work for <laughs> but um yeah i mean as you say you can get those caterpillar cakes anywhere i know yeah. i know because i'm at which supermarket you shop at everyone does one <laughs> everyone's got a caterpillar cake um anything else on anything else on that one before we go to a super ugly one uh, not for me. Don't know, no. if, Duncan. Have you got any thoughts on um, caterpillar not cakes? Much, yeah, I was just uh, sitting here enjoying the fifteen-minute conversation about caterpillar cakes. Uh, <laughs> you are well yeah. thinking. Mm, I'm hungry. I might come on, nip out and get uh, a cuffbert yeah. or, or <laughs> a Colin or a Colin. Your choice. Or uh, a curly or a Clive. Okay. <laughs> Other caterpillar cakes are available. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Duncan. But yeah, it was just—it's just a, a super interesting one. Like, obviously, we're we're not like intellectual property law uh, mm. lawyers and experts, and there is that kind of side that you can understand MS's point of view. That yeah, like obviously, lots of R and D and investment goes into mm-hmm. making these these products and to make them kind of the market leading one. But there's kind of that element of if you do something really well and it's really successful people are going to copy you and do their own spin on it. Um, mm. So you just want to kind of think from that standpoint, yeah, we can just focus on sh- showing that ours is the best. Like that would always be our PR yeah. perspective on it. Wouldn't it? Like mm. we want to be, we have all these direct competitors who are copying us. We just want to show that these are the reasons why ours are the best rather than going on the offensive that then mm. leaves you kind of in the vulnerable position that they put themselves in, but yeah. then open them up for the social media blast that Aldi did. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so good. It's such a good point. And it is, and that's, that was such a part of their campaign, wasn't it? Is that they were being bullied. They're being mm-hmm. bullied by this great, but you know, why do MS have to worry so much about us if they're so great <laughs> and and yeah. that's and you know people really bought into that didn't they? it's like you know you don't you don't need to worry about it everybody knows you're the original everybody knows that you're high quality but you don't you don't need to pick on poor Cuthbert poor Cuthbert um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um I really want chocolate cake now but m- moving on to our so our really ugly one um which is less this is kind of uh it's a really tricky one it's a bit of an internal communications disaster but also a complete sort of lack of humanity which caused this <laughs> but um i'm sure lots of people listening will know about pno ferries and what has happened to them recently or what they have done recently um in terms of having making mass redundancies for their staff over Zoom. Um, eight, oh, figures. 800. 800, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, I thought it was. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Um, 800 staff. They were, in order to cut costs, they were getting rid of long-standing staff, experienced, well-trained staff. Um, 
and bringing in low cost third party workers um and without getting into and i i you know the the legalities around that and actually um you know as as we speak it's still it's still across the news and it's still happening um they you know they didn't follow the letter of the law anyway in in terms of consulting staff but it's we have it as a bit of an ugly example um of how bad internal communications and how your internal reputation um can really damage your external reputation um you know we always talk about building a reputation from the inside out unless you're um walking the walk as well as talking the talk you know if you're saying mm-hmm. you're an upstanding company that values their staff etc um and then you pull stuff like this it it doesn't matter how much you put behind an external communications campaign it's it's going to completely oh, uh- absolutely your employees are going to be the first person aren't they like you've seen it we've seen it everyone's seen it in the news when there's redundancies or there's costs being cut across Mm. businesses regardless of the sector um they always try and the media always wants to speak to internal employees or stakeholders don't they and ultimately if the employees are being um, they're treated badly or the company's acted illegally, the employees are going to be the first ones to talk about it, especially when the media are asking for mm. kind of their thoughts and feelings. Um, I mean, if you've just been sacked via Zoom of all oh, methods no, with no consultation and their awful. reasoning being because they need to cut costs or their workers are too expensive, mm. doesn't really go down very well, does it? No, I mean, the irony of within, you know, that Zoom call and and being kind of quite flatly and bluntly told this is your last day at work. Um, you know you'll be leaving the building and and you'll have a severance package. But by the way, if you could not talk to any media or put anything <laughs> on social media, that would be great. I mean, oh mate, <laughs> <laughs> mate. It's, it's, it's it's really. It's it's a really painful watch. It's a, if because um, it's out out there for anybody to have a look, and you know you can see it now because people have recorded it, of course, and popped it all over social and it's all over the news. And it's a really awkward, painful watch because it's um, it's quite cold. Even though you can, you know, they've tried to craft wording around how it's unavoidable and they'll be there for the staff um and there's a nice q a document that they can read thank goodness for a q a thank you so much um <laughs> it's it's really cold and it's um it just obviously does not value the staff at all in terms of um and to just know i mean they just haven't put themselves in the shoes of their employees to be told you no longer have a job over zoom and that actually waiting outside are a whole load of cheaper workers that are just going to come in and replace you is yeah is is all sorts of all sorts of I mean I don't know how it got signed off by everyone as a way to to communicate this kind of change 
is yeah yeah. I mean not sure (laughs) but as an employee as well like obviously a lot of people have an opinion on this right now but as an employee given like again any sector any kind of role that you work in if that's how you're told and the way you're treated you've got absolutely no loyalty to the brand that you've worked for regardless Mm. of how long you've worked with them if that's how they treat you or how they deliver news like this like Obviously, we know that um, times have been difficult. Um, businesses have struggled, particularly over the last couple of years with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, there's got to be a little bit of humanity and care for your employees. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, as we say, without going into the details of the fact that, you know, they should have engaged with trade unions and, and with the <laughs> staff. So it shouldn't have been the shocker that it that it was I mean we do have um a whole other episode on change management and how and how you communicate that internally because there are um I imagine if we think if we try and put ourselves in the shoes of Pinot Ferries and their communications department and their board and oh poor communications department are probably <laughs> like this isn't us we were overridden <laughs> by the board um you know if you try and put yourselves in their shoes in terms of their strategy because this is absolutely one of the downfalls we see across companies and people that ask for our advice is well the thing is we don't want it getting out in the media or we don't want anything on social ahead of ahead of when we're ready to announce things externally so we want to keep all our cards close to our chest so that actually we control the messaging and in order to do that, they think the later you tell staff, the better. I imagine <laughs> that's what they were thinking. Like, you know, we'll be able to control this if, because we'll be able to have all our external communications lined up and ready to go if we just keep it all close to our chest and we don't we don't involve staff. I, I mean, I can only imagine that's what they were thinking, um, <laughs> which of course is absolutely not what you should do <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah and um you know I suppose in terms of what listeners can learn you know what you can take from this as an example is a you know don't act illegally in the first place <laughs> um but also you know if if you should value your staff and your employees you should do that shouldn't just be something you say that should be something you truly believe and if you truly believe that you would be involving that you would want them to know what was happening. You would want them to know that actually there are going to be some big changes to the company that you work for um, because we have to in order in order to survive. And this might mean redundancies and this might mean, you know, restructuring. But we are talking to you, we're here, you know, and having sort of open forums to be able to, to discuss. So without wanting to go into too much detail because as I say we do we do have resources on this and we do have an episode on um on change management and internal communication so it's worth having a listen to that one um because yeah don't be don't be P&O fairies But in also, a, in a nutshell. <laughs> poor P&O cruises, they're now also having to do a ton of PR and media work externally because they're also getting a lot of 
um, stick because people are not differentiating between PO ferries and PO cruises. So recently, yeah. in the last couple of days, they're also putting out statements across their social owned across the media as well, those mm-hmm. channels, because people are wrongly thinking it's to do with PO cruises and the businesses. Um, in trouble and I guess people are thinking they're probably not going to be able to go on their holidays but two totally separate companies yeah <laughs> nothing to do with PO cruises um yeah this one's all about PO ferries but just also thinking about the wider impact and how other yeah. people are, or brands are also being impacted obviously 100% employees come first from PO ferries but thinking about the wider picture and kind of looking at brand reputation mm. Um, PO cruises are being taken down with them as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a bit unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's it's overall, I mean, an, an incredible lesson in how not to do inter- internal communications and how not to look at change, you know, where we talk about change management. So that's, you know, essentially huge changes that are happening within a company and how you should be communicating that to to your staff before you start thinking about external communications um, because yeah, your staff are your lifeblood. And I think, you know, also we can call this a PR disaster because it absolutely is. It is a PR disaster for them. Their reputation is so, you know, damn it. I don't know, you know, they're going to, can they come back from it? Not sure. That's an Not open sure. question. <laughs> um, but it, it's also just, it's not just a PR disaster. It's just sort of a disaster in terms of being human and, <laughs> you know, being transparent and, you know, knowing how you should treat your employees. But it is a, a really good example of, you know, no matter what kind of budgets and brand voice and external communications you have, if you, if you are sort of quite poisonous from the inside, then nothing can save you. You know, it it will end up like this. Yeah. <laughs> Not you know. great. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should have done the bad one first because now I feel like we're ending on a bit of a downer. <laughs> let's just think about Cuthbert. Go back let's to cakes. Think, yeah, let's go okay. back to cake. Okay. Like, let's not let's go for cake <laughs> yeah I was like oh it's my daughter's birthday this weekend so okay hmm might get myself are you a... gonna buy a Colin or a Cuthbert or a Curly or a Glide there are some girl ones aren't there there the are girl, there are I might I might get a girl one you know oh spice it up yeah <laughs> equal representation also exactly. important in PR yeah. <laughs> oh okay exactly. so some brand awareness for other people Tesco do a Cali the caterpillar cake there you go oh. <laughs> off I go off, off I go. go to Tesco's right on that oh, on that note <laughs> on that note everyone's off to go and buy cake thank you very much for listening we hope we hope you've enjoyed it I think we'll do we'll we'll do this again we'll revisit some other um media campaigns and PR campaigns and what we liked, what we didn't like and what kind of lessons you might be able to take from those. Um, As always, please do drop us a line if you have any suggestions or if you want to hear anything in particular from us. Um, We always love to hear from you. So you can reach us via the website and that's adpr.co.uk. And thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.